group. I hate school. I hate all men. I hate her. I hate you. I hate everyone. I hate love. I used to hate the Kardashians. And no, I wasn't a hater. I wasn't posting hate comments on their social media, whether they see that or not. But I couldn't stand them. Anytime anyone would bring them up, I would express my disdain immediately, noting that they were not talented, that they didn't contribute anything to society. I didn't understand why they were famous. If a post popped up on Instagram from them, I would immediately get angry because I would just think, wow, they're so edited. Everyone thinks they're so perfect, but they've all gotten all these surgeries and I I don't get the hype. So for years, I felt this way. For years, I hated them. Um, And we're going to talk about just that today. We're going to talk about haters on social media. We're going to talk about people who are haters. And we're going to discuss the cognition and emotion behind it. And ultimately, we're going to discuss the three competing theories behind why there are even haters on social media. And I'll tell you which one I think is the most convincing. And um, we'll show some real life examples of all of these haters on social media problems. Now, the funny thing with my Kardashian problem is I love the Kardashians now. Every night, I like to watch an episode of the Keeping Up with the Kardashians. I follow all of them on social media, and whenever my friends hate on them, I now love them. And I don't know if this is like my whole new positivity kick thing or what happened to me. Um, And just for the record, I was never a hater posting on their social media. But... So before we dive into the main thesis of what we'll be talking about here and all of our main arguments, I think it's important to first define what even is a hater and what do I mean by that? So hater is actually a term that's often first attributed to Will Smith in 1997, and it describes a person who dislikes a specific person, thing, or idea, so a noun, and voices their criticism for it in an often public, aggressive, and or passionate way. So that's the that's the definition we'll be using, but specifically extrapolating it to social media, because that's like the medium by which we'll discuss it, is that on social media, haters are people who do just that. They dislike a specific person, thing, or idea, and do it in a public, aggressive, and or passionate way. Um, but they're doing so on social media platforms, whether that be in the comments of creators, um, on their own accounts by making like a hate Instagram or a hate Twitter page, by posting mean tweets about someone, whether they tag the person or not, through reply videos, or anything of that nature. So we're specifically going to talk about that in the context of haters, of people who are haters on social media, who publicly express their disdain or dislike for somebody. Now, what we're not going to talk about is people who were like me, who just didn't like something and would tell their friends and their family, but never posted it on social media. We're specifically going to talk about people who post it all over social media, whether that be on other people's pages or their own, how much they hate something. And we're going to talk about why do people do that? Why do people have a tendency to do that? And there are really three main competing theories behind why this even is a problem and continues to be a problem on social media. But first, we'll lay the roadmap for the three main theories we'll talk about and the thesis behind today's podcast. So first, 
the first theory we'll look at is the idea that haters act in the way they do because they are unemotional and have psychopathic tendencies. This will examine the fact that psychopathy is a DSM disorder in which you're entirely unemotional, and we'll look at the cognition and emotion behind that theory. The second theory is quite the opposite, is the idea that haters are actually overly emotional and are overly expressing their cognitive resources because we're so wound up in our cognitive biases that this leads us to being haters on social media and this leads us to posting hate comments regardless of what type of content this user is posting even if it's just that they're donating to a charity or doing something positive if we truly hate someone and we have a conservatism bias or a confirmation bias anything that they post will make us be entirely overly emotional and post hate comments and then the third piece and the third theory we'll look at is this idea of a dopaminergic rush that especially those who are addicted to social media experience this dopamine rush of excitement and of pleasure when they post a hate comment because of the idea that they could become viral or because of the un- unpredictability of these hate comments. Perhaps the person will see it, perhaps lots of people will like their comment and they'll become popular on social media but regardless this third theory of a dopaminergic rush emphasizes the fact that dopamine is a pleasure hormone so if we're experiencing dopamine then we're experiencing these positive emotions that that can lead us to more positive types of cognition and ultimately well i will tell you which of these theories i think is the most convincing as long as you keep listening but my main thesis is that none of these none of these theories adequately and completely address haters in every aspect. Haters come from all different backgrounds, different frequencies, and I don't think that any of these theories will categorize all haters. I think that each of these theories talk about a subset of haters and really dig at some of the problems of hate comments on social media, but ultimately I don't think any of them adequately address every type of hater, and more research needs to be done on the matter. But by the end of the podcast, I will tell you which one of these theories I think most applies to the majority of haters um, and hits the most on the mark for me. Our first theory that we're going to examine of why haters are on social media and how can we understand them is that haters act in the way they do because they are entirely unemotional and have psychopathic tendencies. And I know what you're thinking. What? This is crazy. And that is also what I thought when I first read it too. But we'll put aside our own cognitive biases, our own thoughts and feelings on this, and I'll just explain what's happening. So... A Polish study with a researcher named Sorokowski and her colleagues found that when they examined the social media presence of certain participants in their study being critical of Olympic athletes on social media, they found that the only correlate of the 94 people in their study who were both men and women of many different age groups was that their comments and their traits in their in their different personality tests that they had taken was a high psychopathy score. And this was one of the largest and most well-recognized theories behind hater research. It's also been accepted as the crowning glory of the field. So what we see here is that 
So psychopaths, what we know about them is because psychopathy is a psychiatric diagnosis in the in the DSM, is that psychopathy involves shallow emotional responses and a lack of empathy. Essentially, it's a disorder in which you're largely unemotional and you have trouble being emotional. So this first argument is telling us that haters act in the way they do because of a psychiatric diagnosis, because they're in fact unemotional. So they're not getting anything out of it, but their own cognition in their head thinks that the way they're acting is perhaps right or is the right course of action because they have an emotional disorder in which they are not fully, like, not fully realizing and experiencing the effects of the emotion of someone who who is not a psychopath who might be posting a hate comment. Our second hypothesis and competing theory behind why people are haters on social media is actually the opposite of the first hypothesis and is this idea of being overly emotional. So this hypothesis argues that haters are so wound up in their cognitive biases, a cognitive bias being a systematic error in thinking that may come from the way you were raised or the way you see the world, such that you can't process and interpret information in the world in a critical way, in in an accurate way. Um, so cognitive biases, their emotions and their behaviors may alter their presentation of whatever it is on social media, whether it's a post or a story or someone's account, and it will cause them to post hate comments. So this theory is arguing that when we're overly emotional, when we have cognitive biases, perhaps when someone is racist or sexist or homophobic, or maybe somebody just hates a certain person because they were raised to hate them because for whatever reason, they hate them so much that nothing will ever change what they think of them. That may also lead to hate comments. So maybe someone, someone, so I used to not like the Kardashians, but I didn't post hate comments, but maybe somebody who used to hate the Kardashians, as soon as they see one of the Kardashians post anything, no matter what it is, they immediately have to post their hateful comment towards them because that will make them feel happiness emotions. And maybe it's because of their cognitive biases that even if Khloe Kardashian said, I'm donating a million dollars to charity, which is objectively a great thing. So someone who hates them might have a cognitive bias that says, no matter what it is, I'm going to post something rude and hateful. And that could lead to hate comments. So when examining this overly emotional hypothesis, Huey and his colleagues in 2013 studied the rise in social networking and news articles and found that from 2004, when this internet revolution happened, to 2013, there was lots of hope that the internet would become a place for people to share news and to people for people to reach new perspectives because the news is objectively supposed to open your eyes to new perspectives, to new stories, to have you have a better understanding of what's going on in the world. But actually what Huey and his colleagues found is that newspapers, when they had on their own websites, when they had comments or when they posted um, their news articles to Facebook or Twitter, they found that they actually had to close their commenting on their websites and on a lot of the social networking sites because they found that people were undergoing confirmation bias and conservatism, which confirmation bias is 
despite being presented with new information, you're still looking for something in the post, in the stimulus, that's going to confirm something that you already thought. So an example might be with a newspaper article. If you see an article about um, how the Black Lives Matter movement is gaining traction, but you're extremely racist, you might find everything wrong with the article, despite the article doing lots of great things. And maybe even if you really read it, you would open your eyes to new perspective. But if you have a confirmation bias, you're going to find everything wrong with the article such that it'll already confirm what you believe. And then conservatism, which is another element that Huey and his colleagues found, is the tendency to keep the same belief despite change. So very similar to a confirmation bias. So essentially, Huey and his colleagues found that despite news being platforms to widen your horizons and to learn new things, that's not actually what happens with the news. The news, whether it be on the news websites or on social media, finds that people tend to comment things that aren't even usually related to the article. Maybe they comment something rude or discriminatory about the reporter, about the reporting, about the political leaning of the newspaper. And ultimately, what his colleagues found is that a lot of newspapers, as a way to mediate this response, this overly emotional response, they just decided to shut down commenting on their websites or even on their social media posts, just because the reporters were feeling very terrible about what everyone was saying. And ultimately, that was that was the outcome of it. Konnikova was interviewed by ABC News in 2019, and she coined the term a nasty bias, this idea that When users are already polarized, when someone is already politically polarized, polarized in whatever way it might be, and they go on social media, in the comments, sometimes they will post, they'll they'll post whatever their belief might be in an effort to gain support and to garner support with the other people in the comments. So perhaps that they can make the people in the comments be polarized too. And what Kanakoba found is that when people who are politically polarized or polarized in any manner comment on social media, the other people in the comments tend to be polarized too, even if they otherwise are not in certain other settings. And we don't know, we don't know what the purpose of this is and we don't know if this is still continuing to be a trend, or maybe it was just something she noticed in her one study. But ultimately, she found that when people are polarized, then when they're so wound up in their own emotions, they contribute their cognitive biases on social media, and then other people participate in this type of group think of catching on to what everyone around them is thinking, and then post the same thing. So in summary, for our second theory here, what we've seen is that One hypothesis for why haters might be on social media is that of an overly emotional hypothesis. Because of cognition, because of cognitive biases and behaviors, people might post whatever they want to on social media in an effort to express their emotions and in an effort to feel their emotions heightened even more. So when people are wound up in their cognitive biases, they ultimately will post whatever they want to post despite the content of the article, despite the fact that maybe they even would agree with the content of the post. And then from that, they can feel happiness, they can feel gratification from it because they're confirming their own biases. It's always comfortable for us to confirm what we already know or to feel like we know the most out of everyone in the room. But when we push past that, that's ultimately when we see people get uncomfortable and that's when we see some of the hatred even go away.
The third and final hypothesis as to what is going on here and what is a competing theory behind haters on social media is that of a dopaminergic rush. So what I mean by dopamine is dopamine is a neurotransmitter in the brain that's commonly associated with reward and feelings of pleasantness. So the more dopamine that it, that you're experiencing in the brain, the more dopamine that is coming through the neurotransmitters, the more excited you are. It's also commonly associated with a drug addiction or any type of addiction. So the theory here in third and final theory that we'll discuss today is that People on social media are experiencing a dopaminergic rush, and posting hate comments is a form of this dopaminergic rush, of this excitement, of this propensity to potentially become viral or to have their hate comment blow up, and then also the unpredictability of social media. When you post a hate comment, you never know if it'll be seen by the person or account that you're posting it to, and you'll never know if it'll blow up, if it'll make you viral. And this dopaminergic rush, this excitement of being on social media, also particularly in people who may be addicted to social media, may be driving hate comments is what studies have shown. Peggy Kern, who is an Australian psychologist at the Center for Positive Psychology, the University of Melbourne, was interviewed by ABC News Australia, and she said to explain this like dopaminergic rush hypothesis is that especially during the pandemic, hate following on social media, hate commenting on social media was a way to feel something. And she said a lot of people during the pandemic didn't even really feel alive, did not feel like much was going on in their lives. So feeling anger through hating on social media or even posting hate comments, perhaps because we don't feel so great about ourselves, and through posting a hate comment, perhaps we can finally feel better about ourselves, we're upping our dopamine. And essentially what she means by that is within your own mind, when you're posting hate comments on social media, if you're finding some satisfaction out of being anger, because maybe you're angry at the pandemic or you're angry at your own life, this anger on social media, this anger and these hate comments can cause a rush of dopamine, can cause you to feel excited. I um, mean, people can get a rush off of that. She ultimately states, you know, we like to feel good and dopamine makes us feel good. So if anger and dissatisfaction with your own life can be expressed through hate comments, um, perhaps that this emotional piece of feeling anger and then thinking that perhaps maybe you're better than the person who you're posting hate comments on or thinking maybe the person might not even see it, but you'll get something out of it, that might lead to posting of hate comments. There were also two more studies that examined social media usage, hate comments, and this dopaminergic rush. Cracker and his colleagues in 2016 had users take online personality tests to see how they tested for sadism, psychopathy, narcissism, and social reward. So similar to the first theory we looked at of are haters psychopaths? And he found that traits psychopathy and sadism predict perhaps trolling behaviors, but negative social media usage and hate comments are actually more explained by negative social reward motivation than just negative personality traits or psychopathy. So breaking this down, what we see here is that Cracker and his colleagues found that the best indicator of hate comments when in all the users that they had um, in their study was that it was a dopaminergic rush. It was a feeling of social reward. It was a feeling of, oh, if I post this, I might become famous. I might 
win um, admiration with my peers. I might even perhaps my own emotions will raise. I'll feel better about myself if I say something rude about somebody else. And then truly believing that the cognition in this, the, 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 we can understand the cognition in that if people are posting comments on social media, perhaps they're not even really fully thinking through what they're saying, but they're knowing that it'll lead to a positive emotion if they're negative towards somebody else. And then Nicola Dow and his colleagues in 2019 found found something similar that essentially they interviewed 65 participants who were users of social media. And they found that after doing personality tests and after having users look at different images, whether that be images that were deemed problematic or images problematic on social media or images that were just random landscape pictures on social media, they found that users who in the personality test showed problematic social network use also showed an intentional bias for social networking related images these social networking related negative images compared to the control images. So breaking down this study, they found that there was an intentional bias for these problematic images by problematic social media users. And what an intentional bias is, is essentially all that means is when someone's perception is affected by certain factors in their environment such that they take their attention away. So for example, if someone is a drug addict, they might have an attentional bias towards the drug they're addicted to. On social media, perhaps if you're addicted to social media, or even many of us could even relate to this, we might be we might be having an intentional bias towards notifications on our phone. If your phone lights up, if you hear a notification, if you see a notification, you might immediately go towards looking at your phone, even if you maybe have an exam to study for or have something else you should be working on. So ultimately, Nicola Dow, what he found with his colleagues is that social media usage has a lot to do with attentional bias. And attentional bias in his study was related to this dopaminergic rush of when we're addicted to something or when we really enjoy something such that it can give us this pleasure of a dopamine rush, which then makes us feel these happiness emotions we want to do it more. So haters on social media, perhaps these findings from Cracker and Nicola Dow and his colleagues ultimately are telling us that people on the internet are feeling happiness feelings because of dopamine. And if dopamine and this uncertainty and this unpredictability of social media can bring them happiness, can make them feel these happier emotions than they than they were otherwise, especially during the pandemic, that might drive more people to continue to use social me- social media to be haters. And then when we think about the cognition and all of everything that we've been talking about here is that despite the fact that if we think critically about, you know, posting a comment on social media that may be that of hatred, Ultimately, if it's going to bring about this dopaminergic rush, sometimes those signals in the brain overtake our cognitive reasoning. They overtake how we might how we might otherwise act if we were thinking critically without the dopamine rush, without this rush of emotions, especially if someone is addicted to social media. So I will say the caveat with this third theory is that this may be more likely for people who are addicted to social media, who are more likely to have this dopaminergic rush in their brain. Because while it is true that we experience dopamine rushes from lots of things in our lives, from eating chocolate, um, from having someone say something nice to us, people who are addicted um, to anything, whether that be social media, drugs, or alcohol, 
when they have a dopaminergic rush, it often affects them more critically and it might affect their judgment even more than it would somebody else. So just to wrap up, what we saw here is that this third theory is that there may be a dopaminergic rush happening, especially in those who may be addicted to social media, such that people become so obsessed with these happiness feelings of unpredictability, of potentially going viral and blowing up on the internet, such that hate comments could lead them to that, and that may be why people are continuing to be haters. Now that we've heard all three competing hypotheses behind why haters on social media exist and why they act the way they do, I want you to take a moment now to think which theory do you think is the most plausible. And I'll tell you that the first hypothesis of haters being psychopaths is actually the largest and widely accepted theory in the field. But this is a great time to go ahead and pause, think about what you think is the most plausible theory, and then I'll tell you what I think makes the most sense to me. Have you had enough time to think? Regardless, I think we should move on. But ultimately, which of these hypotheses I think are the most convincing is hypothesis number two. But I will preface this with saying my main thesis of this whole piece is that I don't think it's productive to say that any one theory explains all haters on social media, explains their tendencies, explains their purpose. I think that different haters have different reasons. Perhaps some of them are psychopaths. Perhaps some of them are addicted to social media. But I don't think that any of these one theories will accurately explain all haters. However, I find that theory number two is the most convincing to me because I think that we see this on social media all the time. You think about when you go on social media, you probably have lots of cognitive biases that you experience as well. And when we think about politics, for example, if you go to a page of a high-profile politician, so think maybe Donald Trump for the right or Alexandra, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez for the left, you're going to see very terrible comments on both of their social media pages. And it's largely from people of their opposing party. And the truth is, is that many politicians, no matter what they do, People of the opposing party are going to hate them and will post nasty things on their social media, perhaps because of their cognitive biases or because of this conservatism bias, the feeling that we're going to keep our same belief despite anything that anyone might do. I think that the second hypothesis really explains the emotion and cognition of hating more generally just because we tend to go on social media and confirm the things that we already thought. We tend to follow people of the same political leaning as us, who think the same things, who are from the same backgrounds. So when we see someone who doesn't fall into our in-group, someone who perhaps that we dislike or maybe we only follow them because we hate them, we're always going to feel this hatred. We're always going to feel these negative emotions. And then perhaps posting something, a hateful comment, will confirm your cognitive bias, but will make you feel happier because maybe you think you're better than the person or maybe you think that by posting this hateful comment, it will make you feel better about yourself. But I think ultimately, we can't 
put ourselves into any of these three buckets entirely. But if we had, I think that if we had to pick one of these theories as the theory to explain most haters, I think theory number two of haters being overly emotional and wound up in their cognitive biases and attentional biases makes the most sense. But I do think that there are some haters who are psychopaths, and I think that there's also merit to this dopaminergic piece of social media addiction. However, I think theories one and three are a bit too specific and dive a little bit too deep into subgroups of the cognition and emotion of hating. While theory two, I think, applies to more people and why they might post hateful comments. We've been talking a lot about haters and about why haters do what they do, but I think it's also important to talk about the cognition and emotion of those who are being hated on and the impact of haters on them. So a couple things that we can talk about here is this idea of learned helplessness, which learned helplessness is a psychological phenomenon that occurs when an animal or a person in psychological experiences or in real life has been beaten down so much and has been attacked or berated, whether that be physically or emotionally, so much that eventually they they decide that they can't do anything to stop it, so they just give up. They learn to be helpless and it becomes an extinction response and Boyd in 1982 when social media really wasn't even around found that learned helplessness comes in response to repeated frustration and it leads to performance deficits and self-esteem issues and Crossman in 2016 found that particularly when studying social media when frustration is repeated when someone finds that their content is never being liked or constantly being hated Behavioral responses eventually go extinct, and what this study ultimately found is that people on social media, when they exhibit learned helplessness over constantly being hated, a few things happen. One, maybe they leave the platform. Think, for example, when Chrissy Teigen left Twitter despite being super popular because so many people were hating on her, they could take a social media break. or. Maybe they just decide to keep posting content and decide to turn off their comments. This happened, for example, when Olivia Jade Giannulli, after the college admissions scandal, turned off her comments on social media because she was getting so many hate comments about her parents' acts. Or sometimes people's mental health get, gets very terrible. The cognition and emotion impact on those who are being hated on can be very severe, whether they're a celebrity or not. Sometimes we find that people commit suicide or rates of anxiety and depression go up. And then Blaya and her colleagues in 2019 found that when we try to mediate hate on social media, she did a meta study of over a hundred interventions that have been trying that has been taken both in schools with laws and technology sectors are trying to limit hate on social media and found that none of the studies that have been conducted and none of the interventions that we've tried to reduce online hate have been effective. Now this is this is very hard to hear that ultimately we haven't found anything to be effective at reducing hate on social media. But I think the first impact of us realizing how big of an impact haters on social media have is by taking the time to research study research just like we're doing right here by listening to this podcast but also in trying to maybe help the victims of online hate to receive therapy or to gain back their self-confidence or to find whatever ways they can to limit their hate on social media whether that's turning off comments because ultimately 
the emotion behind this for the victims of social media hate is that their mental health usually does decline. Whether they leave social media or not, they're often finding themselves very depressed and overwhelmed by the hate, especially if they're largely receiving a lot of hate. And then the cognition aspect of this can come into the fact that perhaps when you're feeling all these negative and upsetting emotions from the hate comments, you might start to internalize this and feel bad about yourself. You may develop an eating disorder. You may um, not want to go to work. You may you may internalize these feelings and think that these hate comments on social media are truly how you should be perceived. And we never want anyone to think like that, whether they're a celebrity, a high profile figure, whoever they might be. So it's important that when we consider the cognition and emotion of haters, we also consider the impact of this hatred of those who are being hated on. Today we discuss the cognition and emotion behind, behind haters and the three main theories of how we can understand haters on social media. First, we looked at the fact that the first theory is that haters may be psychopaths. They may be so unemotional in what they do and may be driven by psychopathic tendencies that posting actually has no emotional impact on them, but cognitively they feel that it's fine. The second theory we looked at is the opposite, is that haters are so overly emotional and wound up in their cognitive biases, their strong emotions and behaviors, that despite any presentation of what they hate, even if it's something positive, they'll still continue to hate that person or that idea and post hate comments, despite anything that might be able to change their mind. And then the third piece was this idea of a dopaminergic rush being the emotional piece behind haters. So people want to become popular in social media, they want to go viral, and having this social, this dopaminergic rush from social media, that may drive people to continue to post hate comments because of the uncertainty, because of the unpredictability, that leads to these feelings of happiness and emotion from the dopamine you're experiencing. Now, ultimately, what we can understand is that as social media rapidly changes, we need to adjust how we think about haters and do more research into different types of hate. I think if there is anything to take out of this podcast is my ultimate thesis is that none of these theories adequately address every different form of hatred, and maybe some of them dive into different case studies, and I did note that I think that theory number two of haters being overly emotional and wound up in cognitive biases, it's a theory that I think is the most convincing. I still think that more research needs to be done into different types of haters, and social media companies should be able to help with this type of research. We know that they track metrics, and they, they can be complicit in furthering this hate on their different networks. By studying this, we can help people who are the victims of social media hate, and without a doubt, there's more research that needs to be done on the topic. But thank you for listening today. Hopefully you learned something about the cognition and emotion behind haters on social media. And hopefully next time you go on social media, perhaps you'll look with a more critical eye by looking at these theories in practice or by examining your own social media usage and thinking about how we all can be a force for good and a force for change. I'll see you next time. It don't matter what my name is, I don't got one.